0: Welcome to the Cape Coral Waterfront Podcast, brought to you by David Myers, a realtor with Remax Trend in Cape Coral, Florida. This is the podcast where we discuss all topics related to waterfront property in Cape Coral, making you a more savvy buyer or seller and helping you make the most of the
1: Southwest Florida waterfront lifestyle. And now, here's your host, David Myers. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Cape Coral Waterfront Podcast. Today, I have a guest in the studio, Captain Chris from Offshore Hunters. Um, thanks for coming, Chris. Good morning, yeah. Glad to be here. So i met these guys. i met Captain Chris and his dad down at the um, Punarasa Dock, actually. And um, they were on a, uh, a beautiful boat. I just commented on their boat, and they were coming back from a, a fishing trip um why don't you guys why don't you tell me how long you guys have been doing it
0: well we started about six and a half years ago it was when we first got started into the whole guiding uh we've been fishing here since 2003 so we've been really passionate about it and we decided to take the next step and become guides and start taking people out for offshore trips
1: okay so 2003 you started and then you started guiding in in uh, 2014. 2014 2014 and Sorry. yeah when i when i was at the dock and i looked over i saw this boat you know because i was in a 20 foot center console and this was, thing was like you know tell us about your boat
0: so we have a 31 foot yellowfin it's a uh, custom center console they're built in sarasota florida so local to florida okay it's uh one of the better riding and top tier uh center consoles out there on the market and it's a super great ride it's very comfortable for us and our clients and Let's us run pretty far offshore for uh, what we go and target every trip. Right. And um, that it has two 300s on it. Yes. We just put uh, two new uh, 2020 twin 300 Suzukis on it. So two new motors this year.
1: It's I'll put a picture up. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'll put a picture up. It's a beautiful boat. It's really eye catching. And um, so how far offshore do you guys go typically? So on a
0: typical day, we'll run anywhere from 40 up to 100 miles. So it all depends on the day and kind of this time of the year. Um summertime is when we do more of our longer trips because we get a lot nicer weather. Right. Uh versus winter time when we have all the cold fronts and we have a little bit shorter time windows to run offshore and um uh, for better sea sea conditions and that. So Right. I now
1: when I had I I've had center console boats gone offshore. It's daunting when you're doing it, you know, in your own boat. And usually we went I mean not for you. for regular guys that buy a boat and they have this thought that, Hey, I'm going to go offshore fishing the first time you get out there and you know, the land disappears and you still have, you know, a long way to go. It's daunting, you know, to go all that way out. Um, And I always went with other guys a lot of times. And I had some issues sometimes that were totally my fault, but you know, it'll,
0: it'll happen. It'll really happen. It's, it's all about experience. Um, Right. Over, over on our coast, we do have to run pretty far offshore to get to really good quality fishing. Uh, but over time, you get used to it. Um, it's all about having the proper safety gear. Uh, right. that's, that's really the biggest thing. Right. Um, we actually, last uh, last week on Friday, we were on our way back from a trip, and we actually ran into this uh, boat that flagged us down. We were 46 miles offshore. They ran out of fuel. Oh, my gosh. They were in a 24-foot center console. They had no means of communication. They had no VHF radio. They didn't have any safety gear, anything. Thank God we went and we were in that area and we went up to them because, I mean, who knows what, have, what would have
1: happened otherwise. Right, and finding um, a boat, even if you're looking for it, is not easy, let alone lucking across another boat coming across. And so what did you guys do? You called it in?
0: Uh, so we tried to get a hold of uh, our towboat companies here in Fort Myers, Sea uh, Tone, Towboat U.S. Uh, they didn't respond. So I got a hold of uh, U.S. Coast Guard, St. Pete, and we walked through them. Uh, they went ahead and uh, contacted their towboat company out of here, Towboat U.S., and uh, they ended up dispatching them out and sending fuel and Coast guard actually deployed one of their assets because we we couldn't stay on scene uh so Coast guard actually deployed one of their um one of their go fast boats to run out there and make sure they were all right and wow. until towboat u s got out yeah yeah so safety
1: is really the biggest biggest thing for uh running way far out right i had a uh issue where my the float switch on my um bilge pump was defective and i didn't know it Now i've i'm a pilot so like you know, when you fly an airplane, you check everything. A lot of people go out on the boat, they don't check those types of things. And we stopped and the boat was full of water because the live well was pumping water into the, it was just a combination of things, which it almost always is. Typically. Yeah. I mean, little
0: things like that, people, especially if you don't uh, use a boat very often, if, if you use it maybe a few times a month, then those little things get overlooked and Boats are notorious for breaking when uh, when you really want to use them. So you really have to kind of stay on top of it and maintain it all the time, constantly checking all the little things. Everything needs to be perfect for that trip, right? So.
1: And these guys have an absolutely beautiful boat. It's pretty sweet. Um, talk about the the drop off because we talked about that when I talked to you on the phone um you know when you're over on the east coast and you're in a thousand feet of water and you can still see the beach over here it's a gradual slope but you said there were like benefits to that
0: so there are some uh pretty good benefits uh west coast versus east coast and that's for florida so for the west coast of florida our um, gradual decline in the gulf is about every mile is about two feet so that means once you hit about 100 miles offshore you'll only be in about 200 foot of water so The benefit where that comes to is we have a little bit better bottom fishery versus the east coast of Florida, where on their side, you go out three, four miles, you'll already be in a couple hundred feet of water. So on this, on this coast, you have to run pretty far offshore to get to some really good grouper snapper fishing. Whereas the east coast, everyone is fishing that same stretch that runs north and south. So from 40 to 150 foot of water, you have the whole population fishing that little stretch of bottom right versus here on on the west coast you can go out 40 miles and then you can fish from i mean you can fish shallower too you can go from 30 miles out to 200 miles 100 miles so you can bottom fish all of that so you have a lot more square footage a lot more area a lot more spots that you can fish so you'll tend to do better over on this coast for the bottom bottom species which
1: is counterintuitive because everybody always thinks oh if you go to fort lauderdale you can get in super deep water really quick, but it's a line you're fishing instead of just this massive expanse. Yes, yes.
0: So the East Coast does have quite a bit more pelagics, uh, the tuna, the dolphin, the mahi-mahi, the sailfish, wahoo. So you have more of those pelagic species that are running up in the Gulf Stream. So that's, that is the one benefit uh, for the East Coast that you have a little bit more trolling and stuff like that versus we do a lot more bottom fishing on the West Coast.
1: And so, tell tell
0: us about the fish. What are the typical species that you guys target? So our typical species are grouper, snapper. Um, come wintertime, we'll get more into the bigger amberjacks, uh, sharks, goliaths, uh, barracudas, uh, cobia. Move in. Cobia are more a pelagic species, so they move. Um, They're delicious with the seasons. I'm not a big fan of cobia. Really? No, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of cobia. Cobia is one of those uh, species that you kind of have have to have a specific taste for they're fun to catch because they're humongous. They can be real big. Yes. Yeah. A Average size. Good one looking 30 pounds, but they can go up to 80 pounds sometimes.
1: And then that like the grouper and snapper, what, what type of sizes are you looking at? I'll so be- mostly
0: the majority of our grouper that we have are red grouper here. Um, red grouper need to be 20 inches, uh, to be illegal to keep total length. So red grouper, uh, we'll get into some gag grouper more in the summertime when we run a little bit deeper trips out to like 160 180 200 foot of water um every once in a while you'll run into a black grouper um here and there and i mean that's that's about the groupers snapper mangrove snapper summertime red snapper yellowtails lanes vermilions um, once in a while muttons so we we have a we have a good variety of species that we can go and target
1: Now, do you guys do live bait or do you do like frozen stuff or how do you Uh, do that?
0: So typically every day before we go and pick up our clients, we try going and netting live bait. Okay. So we want to go, we like having the most possibilities because every day is different offshore. I mean, between yesterday and today, those grouper could be biting from uh, cut bait, dead bait, and today they want live bait. So it really depends on the day. So you really have to go out there with the widest spread possible.
1: You, uh, you told me on the phone that you guys have a new trolling motor set up.
0: Yes. So this one company called Rodan, they're based out of Sarasota. They've been in the trolling motor industry for quite a few years. Uh, in the last few years, last three or four years, they just came out with very long ones. So they came out with an 84-inch one a few years back. And now uh, last year, they came out with a 96-inch trolling motor. That's eight feet long. That's eight feet long. Yeah. So we just installed that on the bow of our yellowfin and what a difference it makes. Uh, no more anchoring it's it's a total game changer pretty how incredible. how much
1: does the elephant weigh
0: uh the elephant is about ten thousand five hundred pounds It that's just seems it
1: seems crazy that an electric trolling motor can hold that thing in place in you know obviously it's not flat calm out there when you go every time uh the in flat seas, I was able to push the boat what was it two point three miles an hour
0: which that's pretty pretty fast for a 10,500 pound boat that's pretty quick uh we fished a couple days where it was two to three foot chop um and it held us within a five foot circle like we didn't go more than five feet away which is incredible
1: so you don't have to like you just get on scene you push the button i just i just click the button hit the a button and we sit that's it yeah that's awesome that's cool because anchoring is you know that's a hassle well
0: it 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 can be both good and bad. Uh, some days if it is too rough, obviously we'll put out the anchor, but in between fishing spots, we can fish a lot more places in a day versus you sit, you set the anchor, got to drift back, see where you're sitting. If you're not sitting right, you got to pull it, do it again, readjust. And sometimes the current and wind just don't want to be cooperative, especially on the really flat days. If you don't have a lot of wind and then you have a little bit of current or no current, and that wind comes up, pushes you off 40 feet. You pull the anchor, reset it, and now the wind pushes you back the other way. Right. So you have a little bit of a little bit of change, which can be a fr- very frustrating. So right. With that trolling motor, just hit the lock button, and we sit right there, and
1: we can start fishing That's real quick. A, one of my neighbors told me about a friend of his that has that. I was like, a trolling motor, and he only had like a 23-footer, but technology man it's like awesome yeah it it really is and um speaking of speed like this is the other thing that when i talked to you i never thought of this you know using the fast center console for this type of business i've been on offshore fishing trips in like you know a 60 foot old hatteracy type style boat and what do they run 10 12 knots uh they can push a little faster maybe 15 17 knots but still it's like a long way out yes And it's like you're just like, you know, because you meet there super early in the morning because you have to because it's like three hours out and you're only really in like 40 feet of water, you know, 50, 60 feet of water. Whereas with your boat, how fast
0: do you guys cruise? So we cruise anywhere from 34 to 37 mile an hour. So we can in an an hour we'll we can move pretty quick. Uh, All depends on the sea conditions. If the sea conditions are a little bit bumpier, then we do have to slow it down a little bit. But on the really flat days we get out there real quick and that's what really sets us apart that we can go and fish deeper deeper areas deeper water versus the bigger uh bigger slower diesel boats right so we can fish deeper we can get into a lot better quality fish versus those boats can so that's really a that's a that's a big thing for us to be able to run out deep on just single day trips
1: right and it's a big thing for clients too because they're spending less time riding and more time fishing yes and absolutely. if you want to go for the same amount of boat ride time you're in deeper water which gives you bigger variety right yes a bigger variety and just better quality too yeah yeah that's awesome um so tell us about the typical trips that you guys do you said you do full day so how does it work with the so
0: we do um only full and extended days so we don't we don't offer any half days or anything like that because we do have to run so far offshore um you can go fishing near shore. Um, your days aren't going to be nearly as good as running offshore. So all the photos that we have online, those are all from deeper trips. Um, I mean, the last, the, the last red tie we had in, what was it 2017, 2018? I mean, that really did a number on our area. Um, all our near shore stuff to about 30 miles was almost completely destroyed. We had a lot of wow. live bottom sea fan coral areas. Um, and it, most of it things are rebounding now we'll catch some smaller red grouper and when we're out speaking for larger baits and stuff you'll you'll see little little groupers and stuff like that moving in which is a pretty important because that's that's how the habitat starts that's that's like the nursery for uh, most right. of the fish so we we don't offer any of those trips anymore um it's just not conducive it's we don't we want everyone to have a good time and to come back and um book with us again in the following years if they come back. So uh, we offer eight hours all the way up to 14-hour trips. Okay. So on average, we do, our, our most popular trip is 10 hours. Um, that gives you a good variety of running out there, getting some good eating fish, grouper, snapper, but also a majority of our clients are from the Midwest or um, that's where Northeast. From. And they love, uh, they love catching big fish. So they're used to fishing lakes for smallmouth, largemouth, uh, crappie, pike muskie so when they come down here they put them on a 200 pound goliath or 150 pound big bull shark that's it's, that's real exciting for them right so we, we we do a good variety of both so 10 hours gives you a good split of both so if you want to go for some good eating fish to take home and then go tug on something
1: real big so that's our that's that's about our most popular trip yeah that's when i was a kid i caught a 16 inch walleye and there was like my parents had a picture of it on the mantle. You know, and then when I got down here, you see, like, I went out fishing for snook with a friend. And, you know, you get, like, a 34-inch snook. It's like, you know, after a while of that, when you see your friend's pictures on Facebook of their giant whatever, it's like bait. Yeah. So it's, it kind of spoils it for
0: for some of them who uh, come down to fish here when they have to go back up and fish their ice holes in the wintertime when we're still wearing our shorts and sandals, so.
1: Right, Yeah, that's the thing I love about Florida is I always walk to my mailbox with no shoes on. Exactly. Like every day.
0: No, no need to uh, shovel the driveway or none of that. that. Nope. Yeah. So um, you got, how long is the full day you said? So full day is eight hours. So eight hours is our minimum. Um, The travel time, travel time is about an hour, hour and a half each way. Roughly an hour and a half each way since we are running out to 40, 50, 60 miles offshore. So that, that. Travel time does cut into it, but it's a benefit because when we run out there, we're running to spots that we know there are fish. Right. So we're not running out there to go put out lines in and troll and maybe get a bite.
1: And hope something
0: happens. Yeah. No, we, we run to the spots that we know that we have
1: that are going to be productive. Because that's but, when I used to do it. We used to run out. It, it would cost at least $200 in like a 24-foot boat, at least. And sometimes came back with nothing. Best case scenario, I'd come back, split all the fish with my friends, and then clean all the blood off the boat after they already took off. Said toodaloo. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, yeah, there's a a great benefit. And also, we talked about this on the phone too the benefit of going out with a professional is the learning experience. It's not just going out and getting on the fish, but it's actually seeing how a guy who does it for a living and knows what the hell he's doing, how they do it. you know, and talk about the, you guys, the, you guys have, are sponsored by a real company? Yeah, we're
0: sponsored by one company in uh, Pennsylvania. They're called IRT Reels, Innovative Reel Technologies. Uh, they're a small builder in uh, Pine Grove, Pennsylvania. And they, uh, they started after Penn moved their manufacturing to China. Okay. So basically, uh, one gentleman, uh, he started the company, uh, he was upset that Penn left. He started the company, and it's 100% made-in-American reel. They're pretty pricey, but they are made-in-America, and that's why we stand behind them, and those are the reels we use, and I've never used anything
1: better than that. Yeah, that's awesome. So you have made-in-America boat. You got the old made-in-America reels. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a big difference in um, technology in stuff that's designed here. It, that, too, but not only that, but for
0: quality. Quality is really the biggest thing because we do put everything to the test. Uh, right. We'll average 80 to 120, 130 trips a year. So everything gets used. So everything is salty. So everything has to be made to withstand. Right. Uh, from your trailer to your electronics to everything has to be able to withstand the salt environment because it is very harsh. It, it definitely it, is. It is.
1: And anybody that has a boat and lets it sit can attest to that. Yes it's brutal it can be yeah so um uh, what was the other thing that i wanted to talk to you about um oh you guys do inshore stuff as well correct
0: yes Yes, we have a a 21 foot action craft coastal bay Uh, i run the inshore trips so inshore trips are quite a bit less expensive since we aren't running 40 60 miles offshore in a large 600 horsepower boat Uh, it's 100 dollars an hour otherwise but for that we fish for snook redfish trout um Sometimes we'll get into some sharks and ladyfish, so. And do you guys use live bait for that as well? Yes, live. Honestly, li- I'm. There's a lot of people who are very on the fence of they like fishing um, jigs, artificial. I love fishing live bait. Yeah, live bait is a much quicker, faster way to get fish because you know that if the fish are there, they're going to be eaten. Right. I love live chumming. With a lot of pilchards, you go up to some mangroves. You throw that out there. If those fish are there, they're going to start eating real quick, and it's on. Right. So you 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 get more of an instant um, gratification with live bait versus uh, artificial. Artificial has its perks sometimes too, especially with trout and on the flats where you can get you can get a good bite going. But I love fishing live bait.
1: Yeah. I, and live bait is ideal if you're all set up for it.
0: Yes. But with live bait comes a lot of time and knowledge to know the season and what kind of live bait we have because we'll go from having big thread fin to having pilchards to where the thread fin and pilchards are still um, spawning so they're real tiny so you have to go and figure out certain areas where they're at and just it takes time
1: it yeah, takes time absolutely and that's you know when you first start fishing it's like all greek you know but you get it takes a long time to learn it. One way to really shortcut the learning curve is to go on a trip with a pro. Absolutely, because there are
0: there's a lot of shortcuts that you'll learn and see that over time you'll you'll understand them and you'll learn them yourself. But going with a guide, you'll because we, we always explain certain knots. We'll show we'll show different rigs, um, techniques, this that. So you kind of get a better idea versus if you just go out for yourself the first time you don't really know where to go or what to do. So you, no. get, a, you get a pretty good idea on you kind know, of what you need to focus on and what what you can do to make yourself better. Right. Yeah,
1: because you get some numbers from some guy at church or whatever, and then you go 35 miles out, like, freaking out that the weather's going to change or you're not going to get back in time or something's going to go wrong. And then, because I've lived this, you know, you go by, and, and like, you know, fifty sixty $60,000 boat, like, just to start, these guys' boat is, like, some people would have to sell their house to buy it and um you know you go all the way out there fill the boat up with gas bait sandwiches whatever else you bring and then you come back with nothing it's usually a tough one to break to the wife that you know it was all for nothing uh typically yeah Yeah.
0: well then that's the one thing that over time you'll learn an area you'll learn how to fish an area and over time over the, the key phrase i mean it it really is uh Three years looking past that, I mean, I, I have a log book where I'll mark down every trip that we have. So let's say I fished, we fished three times last week, so I have every day marked down, and I can look at years past. Hey, on this moon, on this tide, on this water temperature, right. we had fronts coming through, this was what that good bite was. Right. So having a log is really important because you can look back at years past. So I, I've been keeping it for five years. So right. I can look back at, hey, I know what bait was here, when the good bait was here, so it's really important to kind of mark that down and, you, and you'll start seeing patterns, right? You'll start seeing the patterns. And once you understand the
1: patterns, everything makes a lot more sense. Absolutely. But it takes time to build those patterns. Yes. But that's the one of the, and the reason I had you on is because a lot of people come down and they want to experience this kind of stuff, but it is daunting to just go out. Like, you know, when I lived in Europe, you had to go through the, all these classes, like you had to have a license to drive a boat. Yes. yes. And here you just can come and, go down to the elephant dealer and give them 280 grand and get a boat like yours. And then, you know, get yourself in trouble or like never figure it out. It could be daunting. And you know, all the times that I've gone on offshore fishing trips with professionals, it's a totally different game. And I did learn a lot from that. Like when I did back bay fishing, a friend of mine has been doing it forever He's like a Harvard grad. So everything he does is like science. And that's where I learned how to back bay fish is from him, you know, and the offshore fishing stuff is you can learn. It's, it's a lot more than just fish for one thing and memories. It's a really good learning experience to go offshore with someone who knows what they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So if people want to, um, if people want to get a hold of you guys to book a charter, um, where do they do that?
0: Well, there's a, there's a few ways. So best ways to call us, uh, the phone number is two three nine eight four nine seven nine five nine. Or you can also visit us at our website at www.offshorehuntercharters.com. Or even if you, if, if, if you're having trouble you and just go into Google, type in offshore hunter charters and we pop right up there. Right.
1: And you'll see the, um, you'll see the, on the website, there's a picture of a big yellow fin with a bunch of giant fish on it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just bumped into these guys at Punarasa at the dock. And, you know, they took, I could just tell that, that they were good from the time that they took, just talking about their boat and their business, the electronics. I mean, when you add it all up in your head, what they have invested in this, not just money in the boat and the gear, but in time, it's, um, I implore you, if you want to come down here and you're thinking about living in this area and you want to see what offshore fishing is all about, go out with a pro have your hand held a couple of times at least. And maybe you'll decide that, you know, you want to just get a boat that's a different kind of boat, like more of a cushy family boat for inshore stuff. And when you go offshore, you just go with the pros and make it happen that way.
0: Well, I mean, for even even around for this area, for Southwest Florida, having a cruising boat, a deck boat, it's fantastic because you have, you have a lot of water you can explore. A lot of people, you might not be into fishing, but... This area holds a lot of opportunities for you to go out and do a lot of cruising. We have some beautiful beaches, especially when you get up to North Captiva, Cayo Costa. It's like the Bahamas. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. You have emerald green water. Um, we have a lot of restaurants by boat um, on North Captiva, Cabbage Key in Cape Coral, Boathouse in Cape Coral, up the river, the Boathouse on 31. There's a lot, there's a lot of places to go by boat. Just cruise around,
1: go to the beach, and it's warm. You right. can't beat it. Okay, so if you guys want to go offshore and you want to go with a pro, then um, check out Offshore Hunter. Give us the website one more time. It's uh, offshorehuntercharters.com. Offshorehuntercharters.com. And I'll have links to their website and um, contact information in the show notes. Chris, it was great. Captain Chris, thank you very much for stopping by.
0: Thank you for having me. It It was a good time. Thank you. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Cape Coral Waterfront Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me by telephone at 239-529-0555. By email at waterfrontluxury at gmail.com. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever it is that you consume podcasts. Stay tuned for the next episode and I'll see you out on the waterfront.